0: Provoke podcast is brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the International Broadcast Specialists Marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy-to-use PR software. Get a free demo today at Notified.com.
1: Welcome to the Provoke podcast. I am Diana Marzalek, I'm with Provoke Media, and I have with me today, Mary Osako, who is Vice Chancellor of Strategic Communications. Did I get that right, Mary, at UCLA?
0: Yes, you did, thank you. Um, Thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. I am so happy to be here, and uh, it's nice. You know, I know this is an audio format, but I can see you, and it's just nice to make that connection.
1: It is. We're all we're all doing video connections, right? We're all experts at that. So from three thousand miles apart, we're having our conversation, which is very nice. Yeah. Um, so you get the vice chancellor title, but that is head of strategic communications. Is that right? You oversee. Tell us Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I uh, cut my teeth in the corporate world and in house. So. In the corporate world, it would be considered the chief marketing and communications officer role for UCLA.
1: Okay. And now you were with some pretty big brands uh, in that corporate role, right? You were with Amazon um, Activision, correct? That's
0: right. I was at uh, Amazon um, Activision Blizzard, Mm right? Where I served as chief communications officer. And a really long time ago, during its golden years, uh, I was at Yahoo, where I did everything from consumer PR, and my last post there was Vice President of International and Public Policy Communications.
1: So you were here in like in the tech world, you know, with these big brands, the jobs that everybody wants, and you went, you made this big leap. Um, Not that going to UCLA is anything small. (laughs) Given you know, what do you have, 45,000 students or we something do. like that? Um, so, so it's not, you, but it's certainly a leap in terms of going from the corporate world to higher public, higher education.
0: It, it sure is. And um, I'll never forget, uh, I received a phone call while I was shopping at my local grocery store with my twin boys who are eight years old in tow. And I remember picking out tomatoes. And I received a phone call from my very dear friend, um, Alexis Gorman, who is at Spencer Stewart, and she leads the corporate practice there. And she and I have been friends and partners since we were both young pups, you know, 25 years ago. And she says to me, Mary, it's Alexis, don't hang up. It's about UCLA. And I remember pausing my hand above the tomatoes and saying, what does UCLA need? And it's because primarily um, I'm a Bruin, I'm an alumna of the school, and I can honestly sit here and tell you that UCLA really changed the personal trajectory of my life. And higher ed was never in the cards for me. As you say, I grew up really in the internet and tech spaces and at uh, fortune 500 companies. And um, there was something about this being an inaugural role and wanting to give back in just even the tiniest ways of what UCLA gave to me that made me all in from the time I received that phone call. And uh, it's been rewarding, you know, in the 18 months that I've been here, quite an 18 months.
1: Yes, it has been. Now, you mentioned, um, first tell us what, you you said that UCLA really did transform your life. Was that in terms of getting into communications or personally or the whole?
0: The whole gamut. Uh, You know, when I was at UCLA, I grew up um, in Los Angeles and I grew up in Culver City. And a lot of people know Culver City today because it's where a lot of the major studios are now located. That was not the case when I was growing up. And I grew up not thinking that I would travel further than 25 miles from my own home and neighborhood, let alone being stationed in countries all around the world through my work. Mm -hmm. And that really has a lot to do with um, everything to do with UCLA and the aid that I was provided it being a public company and it being a place where I could meet people from places around the world that I didn't even know existed on planet Earth mm-hmm. to you know the student affairs staff and my professors really helping me um, at really challenging uh, junctures in my personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that, uh, I couldn't be more honored to wake up every day and do what I'm doing today.
1: That's wonderful. Um, I'm surprised to hear this is an inaugural role. What was communications handled differently before your arrival? It was. So,
0: communications and marketing, um, from what I understand, in higher ed uh, was traditionally, and in many cases still yet, placed under the fundraising arm of a school, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, For a public institution where we receive some federal funds, but not a lot, Um, fundraising is a really big component to that, uh, to, you know, getting everything to work. Um, what had happened, though, in the last uh, couple of years is my boss, the chancellor at UCLA, decided to break out marketing and communications and make it its own unit and up-leveling uh, the talent as the head of that own unit into a vice chancellor role. There are only 10 vice chancellors for all of UCLA. Um, so it was, I think, uh, a great great tribute to the chancellor and to other leaders to really put communications and marketing, you know, give it a seat at the table. And I think as we uh, take a look at the last, even just 18 months, let alone the years and years moving up to it, there uh, has never been, in my opinion, as a communicator, a time when the value of communications and marketing was so very felt at an institution than in the last 18 months.
1: Um, Are you referring to COVID or are you referring to, we have so much to talk about with higher education, but when you talk about 18 months, what are you referring to?
0: So much, COVID, absolutely, when it first made its way onto the world stage back in January of 2020, But thereafter, the reckoning and social justice matters, Um, you know, the impact that, uh, you know, students and the broader community have on really seeking and driving us toward change in what is, I think, a global society and the democratization of platforms to give people voices, I think it's so wonderful. And I think that is something that people have really seen um, at the forefront in higher education.
1: Um, looking at our or planning for our conversation, um, I was just thinking of the idea of higher education and the range of stakeholders that you have and the range of issues that you have. And, and I think, except unless you're running like, LA, right? I mean, this is, you have more stakeholders, more interest groups, your government, your public, you have students, you have to be socially correct. Do you have diversity and access issues? I mean, you got your hands full.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, UCLA is the number one public university. Um, Have been for four years in the running. Um, And with that comes a lot of responsibility, exactly what you see, Diana, you know, it is a, a public institution. And so living up to that is so important. And the responsibility that we hold to, you know, be a real force for the betterment of global society, that is right there in UCLA's mission. And that's a big one. It's the first job that I've had where my uh, where I didn't wake up every day trying to figure out how to create more shareholder value, and I must tell you, it's phenomenal. Our share—I mean, our shareholders are are you know really audiences from students to legislators to parents to staff and faculty and um, you name it. And so it is really um, an awesome responsibility and one that we take really seriously. I, I think when we think about communication specifically, I think the world has seen, you know, uh, recently um, in the past few years that words matter. Mm-hmm. And so I think that kind of awesome responsibility is taken very seriously at institutions like UCLA.
1: When you look at the last 18 months, especially around the, um, the, the racial and social justice issues that emerged Companies were really having to do a lot of soul searching and and sort of whatever they're in process of doing. Right, <laughs> they had no choice. Where did you can't speak for all of higher education, but where did UCLA find themselves in that in that um, journey?
0: We found ourselves in a place where we continue to learn, and I think that can be said. Hopefully, I can say that about every single institution out there. You know, I I am um, just so proud to be part of a leadership team that takes it so seriously and with a lot of respect and with this um, real culture of continuous improvement. And I'll speak for myself. Um, I feel like that, you know, it's, it's hard. And I think a lot of folks who may be listening to this podcast today think about this, where it's, you know, oh gosh, how can I make sure I'm being responsible with my words? Um, how can I let my intentions be known if I happen to use the wrong word? You know, how can I further the dialogue because it's important but understand how to, how to do that in a really sensitive way? And I think those are all questions if we continue to ask ourselves every day. I think that's a really good first start. Um, we're really lucky at UCLA where we have such centers of knowledge and scholars who have studied this for decades and decades. Um, You know, we know that social justice and the importance of it isn't something that had come onto the scene 18 months ago. And so it's really just been, um, you know, a real uh, pleasure and just exciting to see a
1: lot of the scholarly work coming out of those spaces here at UCLA. I want to ask if the mood is different, but I don't know how open you've been during this. Did you close campus next week? Yeah, we closed
0: uh, campus officially. You know, we're in Los Angeles, obviously, which was one of the hotspots of COVID. And so as I think many counties and cities are, uh, really follow the county public health department rules and regulations. And so our campus was closed for quite some time. Um, You know, we continue to uh, have um, in-person classes for things like wet labs, but for the most part, it's been a closed campus. So turning a page as we all are and looking ahead to fall, um, you know, our plan is to welcome our students and faculty and staff back. And I can just tell you that the feeling and the vibe of that from the Bruin community is palpable, even though we're all still living mainly virtually, people are just excited.
1: You'll be opening up. You'll be opening up in the fall.
0: That is the plan. Um, That is the plan. And, you know, the team here strategic communications at UCLA, which is uh, what I oversee. We have a lot of really um, great things cooking to welcome Bruins back to campus this fall. So we're really excited about that.
1: Great. Um, the last 18 months, I felt higher education was also thrown into this, How can I say? it? I'm thinking like it was almost maybe, a, could have been a tipping point for higher education because whether people were gonna pay the money to go virtually, Kids weren't taking SATs and ACTs, right? Tuitions were enormously expensive. And UCLA indeed is a public school, but it still is an expensive school. I think your tuition and board is what, around 35,000 in state, something like that. Um, Which I wonder how it falls on you to communicate and to drive access and equity in, in, in higher education. How do you get? How do you open it up and let other kids know? A, they could be there, and how do you help them (laughs) attend? So
0: we, um, I'm, I'm really proud of UCLA Um, as a public institution. Our uh, focus on equity, diversity, and inclusion is so high. Let me, I I will speak. You know, from a personal experience, having been. uh, Bruin and a graduate of the school. One of the best things about attending UCLA is the fact that, as I mentioned, meeting people from around this planet that I didn't even know places from places that I didn't even know expected. That is one of the things that I cherish about my um, time at UCLA, and I see it all around me as I work for this institution, our numbers in terms of the diversity of our student body, and not just racial, uh, you know, diversity, it is diversity across the board that we take a look at to ensure that it is a place with a global perspective. Um, we offer spot, we have uh, Pell Grants that are offered to ensure that you know, um, first gen, low income students have a place here at UCLA, that's myself again. I'm a first gen um, graduate, which means that I am part of the first generation of my family that attended and graduated from college. Um, And my story is not rare. And I think that that's one of the really exciting things about, about, you know, being at a place um, like UCLA, it is always at the forefront of our minds. And you know UCLA, it's it's one of it's the most applied to school in the nation. Mm-hmm. It, it is, and I think we're number one for a lot of reasons. And I think one of those reasons is the diversity and that intentional focus on diversity that we are mindful towards um, every day. That uh, is part of me.
1: So, how do you meet the challenge, though, of letting diverse students, um, kids that are in lower socioeconomic situations, that UCLA is a place for them, right? Is there a mindset that you have to break through or misinformation out there that people think they can't get in, they can't afford it? And how do you work with that?
0: We, um, we do. And we have an admissions office and a unit led by just a really wonderful person. Her name is Yolanda Copeland-Morgan. She and her de- team do an excellent job of getting out into the communities out there, mm-hmm. and ensuring that they know the stories of how it is something that first gens can look to. It is something and a place where, uh, if you come from, you know, uh, socioeconomic backgrounds, such as myself again, um, mm-hmm. it is a place that you can go. Um, we have an astounding rate with transfer students as well, and so uh, you know all of those stories and all of those data points. We have a wonderful team out there um, communicating about them, and we also use a lot of our own um, channels as well as to earn media to do that. And our social media feeds—if you take a look at them—they're highly engaged with our newsroom. We have a newsroom; it's called the Daily Newsroom. Google recognizes it as a news source, and um, it goes gangbusters in terms of the amount of engagement and readership. Our earned media, people are writing about higher ed more so, I think, these days than any other time. It really reminds me of, um, you know, when I started out in tech back in the 90s. When that started becoming a thing, and then you started to see A1 stories and more of a volume of A1 stories um, when it used to just be paper. I feel the same for higher ed, where people, you know, it's.
1: it's Why do you think that's happening? I think
0: it's table talk. You know, I think it's kitchen table talk. Um, it's for parents. Uh, are my kids going to be able to go back to school? You know, what will their educational experience be like, gosh, is this a year where so much of my college years were about socializing? What does it mean for them? It could also mean as a student, the same questions and well, what's it going to look like a year from now? You know, college is only four years or five years. So that's one out of four. What am I going to experience, you know, in the future? Help me tell me what it's going to be. Tell me it's going to be okay. Okay. And, um, you know, for UCLA, we're the fourth largest public uh, employer in L.A. County, which is a really big county. Um, And so for us, it's also, uh, am I going to have a job? And something really great that our chancellor made a decision on and acted upon was during COVID, there was not one COVID-related layoff for all of UCLA. And when I think about the fact that we're the fourth largest public employer in LA, that's significant.
1: That is because just the support staff. I mean, ground staff, all of that.
0: People who serve um, food in the dining halls to students who are no longer there. Right. You can only imagine if if you, um, if I had that job, I would be so worried. And I would be worried if I would get laid off and wouldn't know what to do um so that those were all things that our chancellor and and UCLA were thinking about and that I thought was a really big um commitment and indicative I think of our values and living them.
1: When you took the job Certainly, you didn't see this coming. <laughs> I mean, it's been quite a year. None of us did. So, you took the job. What did you think? What were you preparing to do? What did you think was your challenge or your charge or your job? Uh, I, I'm
0: normally recruited for roles to come in and build or change direction um, of the function. Mm-hmm. So, when I joined Amazon, you know, I had two people who reported to me. And when I was recruited for the job of uh, head of corporate communications, it was two people. And my charge was come in and build a global corporate communications function for us. We want to know what that looks like. We want you to to build it with the brightest and the best. Um, So when I got to UCLA, I thought that it would be a place where I would go in, you know, do my uh, listening tour um, which actually I was able to do. And in my day on my day, 101 go forth and start, you know, looking at the organization and what our priorities are and how they laddered up all of those things that we, if people that are listening to your podcast have probably gone through in their minds and, um, but it really turned out. (laughs) It was, it was, oh gosh, we have to send uh, the students home. Oh gosh, we have to uh, get our professors to teach online and ensure that we are letting them be successful in this all new medium. Oh, the students have to go home. Oh wait, it's not three months from now, it's in two weeks. Okay, what does that look like? So it was a lot of shifting as the world shifted. but I may, may be safe to say, I guess just relative to, you know, the industries where I grew up, um, that that rapid rate of change wasn't a jacket that UCLA or even higher ed in general was used to wearing, generally speaking. Right. And so having had to throw that jacket on and live in this rapid state of change, um, You know, it was, it was um, a Herculean task and I I think UCLA did really well because it was, you know, driven by, from a communications standpoint, we had twin North stars and they were transparency and humanity. And if we felt like we were doing those two things and being led by those two things, that we were going to be okay.
1: So you're looking at kids coming back, students coming back, things opening up. Um, hopefully COVID is settling down. You're still gonna have racial, social justice issues continuing, right? So looking forward to the summer, the fall. Now, where are you? What are you, what, are, what is the next step?
0: We are so excited to welcome the community back this fall. Um, that, as I said, is that excitement is palpable. Um, at the same time, I'm thinking about how my team is feeling about coming back. And it won't be this place where, from a marketing and communications perspective, it's rah-rah, you know, you come back, of course you're thrilled to be back on campus and we're gonna have this big event and this rah-rah event. Um, What we are really thinking about is the fact that there will be social anxiety coming back still don't know what the world will be like half of our student population because if you think about returning sophomores and freshmen will never have had a college experience so we want to ensure the undergrads i should say so we want to ensure that we're doing it in a really thoughtful way where um is there a day where it's a reflection and just a place where we can really um, create space for the grief that we've all felt you know, in the last 18 months? And how do we honor that? Um, are we creating reflection spaces where our community can do that and it's somewhat of an emotional catharsis? How are we ensuring that our students feel safe on campus and in the neighboring neighborhoods? For us, Westwood is our college town and how do we ensure that people are feeling welcome? Um, So we're doing a lot of thinking around that, both on the, hey, we're all excited, but also meeting the moment in terms of the emotional toll. This time has taken on all of us, and I'll say this as a mom of young kids um, who have seen just my husband and my kids. You know, it's going to be it, we're asking folks to change yet again yeah, it's always- it's a lot, and that's an emotional toll. so I think a lot about my team and how we can ensure that we're doing in a way where <clears throat> I'm leading with empathy and flexibility I think that's going to be
1: key okay <laughs> <lot to> you. <laughs> Yeah, sure, um, great, but it's just so daunting. I'm not laughing at what you have to do. I'm just laughing because the, as you said, it was Herculean in the past, but just moving forward, it it's just so daunting when I think of the numbers of people that you're working with. So, uh. well, I laugh too because I am somewhat of a nervous laugher, but also if you don't laugh. <laughs> Yeah, you cry. That'll <laughs> turn That'll be our next podcast. We'll be crying. <laughs> so we'll end it on a happy note today. Yes, okay. definitely. All right. Good luck. we'll keep in touch and thank you for telling us your story i so appreciate that and i thank
0: you so much for having me on um it's just been so great and having been on the in-house side and and the agency side i'm still um on the board of advisors of haven tower group and uh which is a pr firm in financial communications it's Podcasts like this, where we can learn from you and from my peers out there, um, I have to tell you that really have been a source of light. And um, you know, needing to feel like, oh gosh, am I the only one feeling like this?
1: <laughs> Thank you. And hopefully that's what we're spreading the word, right? We're all we're all in this together. And <laughs> thank you so much take care have a great one bye bye Bye.
0: you have been listening to the Provoke podcast brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the International Broadcast Specialists Marketeers support for this podcast comes from Notified the integrated, intelligent and easy to use PR software get a free demo today at Notified.com